I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. And we are closing in on the Merseyside derby. That will be tomorrow night at 8.15pm, Liverpool versus Everton at Goodison Park. Returning to the scene of last year's crime, where Virgil had his season ended, where Thiago's leg was almost broken because those bitter, dirty blues just couldn't cope with the fact that we're a much better team than them. That game is also the only game in which Fabinho and Thiago have started in midfield together and Liverpool have failed to win. These two have started 13 games together in midfield, won 12, drawn 1, scored 35 goals and conceded 5. When Fabinho and Thiago start, Liverpool are absolutely incredible. Now, many people will tell you that the third midfielder in that starting midfield should be Henderson. With Henderson in the team, they've played 3-1-2, drawn one, again, that Everton game, scored nine and conceded two. Now, those nine didn't all happen when the three were on the pitch. Two of them happened when one or more had been substituted off. But the point here is that if Fabinho and Thiago start, Liverpool win. Those two world-class midfielders both the best at their specific roles. Fabinho is a holding midfielder. Thiago is a controlling midfielder. They give Liverpool an edge on basically everybody in world football. There is nobody who can match those two in midfield. The third one, it doesn't really matter whether it's Wijnaldum, whether it's Ox, whether it's Harvey, whether it's Henderson, whether it's Milner. As long as it is Fabinho and Thiago, Liverpool win football matches. The hope will be that they will start against Everton. You'd figure start them against Everton, maybe rest one or both at the weekend. Might be the way to do this. Obviously, there'll be the want for revenge on last season. The 2-2 draw, which basically scuppered our season because Virgil got hurt and Thiago missed two and a half months. They beat us 2-0 at Anfield. First time they'd won at Anfield in, what, 20-odd years. We owe Everton. Now, they're dreadful at the moment. No Calvert-Lewin means they have no goal scorers in the team. Richarlison is back, so they'll have him. But he'll likely be partnered by Solomon Rondon up front. They may well have Andros Townsend and Damari Gray in the wide areas. They do have Decoure back, and that's a big plus for them. And him and Alana are a very good midfield partnership. But no Yerry Mina means that Michael Keane has to start at centre-back. And, well, he's not very good. Seamus Coleman still starts at right-back, despite being five years past his best. They do have Ben Godfrey, who's a very promising young centre-back. They do have Luca Dina, who's a good left-back. And then they've got tiny arms and goals. The little stumpy-armed man with his flailing legs. And wouldn't it be really nice if Liverpool put four or five past him? Now, the downside 
to walloping them might be that Rafa could get the sack. Rafa has come under increased pressure in recent weeks with the bad run of results. One point from their last six games. They're the worst team in the league based on current form. Now, it hasn't been Benitez's fault. It is down to the injuries that they've had. They've had some bad luck. They did capitulate against Watford. That's absolutely worth pointing out. But when you lose your best centre-back in Mina, your informed midfielder in Dekure, and your only real source of goal of goals in Calvert-Lewin, you are going to struggle. They started the season really well. They were, they were fifth after seven games. Now they're 14th. And defeat to Liverpool would really send some of their fans over the, the edge. You remember in the summer, it was quite a traumatic summer for Everton fans. Everton had been telling us that they were the team on the up. They were the new Merseyside billionaires. They were the new power. People were saying there'd been a power shift, regardless of the fact that we'd won a Champions League and a Premier League title. They had loads of money, and in their minds, that meant they were the new power on Merseyside. They had Carlo Ancelotti, a man who'd won three European Cups, one of only three managers to to do that. And they thought they were going somewhere, despite the fact that they'd spent loads of money really badly and only had about half a team. They were going somewhere. Then Carlo leaves to go to Real Madrid because, I mean, why wouldn't you? James, who they'd been very excited about getting, even though he only came to play for Carlo and because they gave him a ridiculous fee, he started to ask out because he didn't want to be there if Carlo wasn't there. Because in his career, since being managed by Villas-Boas at Porto, he's only really done well under Carlo at Real and at Bayern. He started well at Everton, but then it all fizzled out. He went on holidays about six different times during the year, including before the last game of the season. Rafa Benitez arrives, and now they're furious. A former Liverpool manager who won a European Cup with Liverpool, who called Everton a small club, who ruined their best Premier League season when they finished fourth ahead of Liverpool by winning the Champions League and taking all the shine off them. He was appointed the new Everton manager. This is a group of fans who had temper tantrums because their manager had red baubles on his Christmas tree. This is a group of fans known to verbally abuse people who might wear a red jacket to a football match. This is a group of people that live in a world where red is not on the colour palette. Rafa rocks up and they're not happy at all. But they're still the Merseyside billionaires, so surely they're going to spend loads of money. And no, they spend $1.7 They bring in Damari Gray. Now, to his credit, he's done very, very well. I think he's one of the signings of the season. They bring in Andros Townsend on a free. Again, he's done well. They bring in Asmir Begovic, who, you know, I mean, if that's where you're reaching for a goalkeeper, you might want to pull your arm back. And they bring in Rondon on a free, ostensibly because Rafa had worked with him before and liked him. But they let go of Moise Keane, a player that they'd very braggadociously told us they had stolen off Juventus. He goes on loan. Uh, They had two really good young left-backs behind Dinia. 
Niels Nkunku, he went out on loan. And Thierry Small, they sold him to Southampton for pennies. And that's meant that when Dini was out for a couple of games, they were forced to play a centre-back in that position because they left themselves without a backup left-back. So they've been furious over the summer. They start the season well and, you know, some of them start to get on board with the idea that Rafa is a good football manager and that maybe all is not lost. Now they've had this bad run and now they're furious again. They want him gone. They think that sacking him will lead to things changing, that it will immediately make them better, that Benitez is the sole reason for their their flaws and their faults. The current odds on the next Everton manager, if Rafa gets sacked, now strap yourself in because this is brilliant. Duncan Ferguson, the assistant manager who's been there through all the post-Moyes failures and yet somehow clings to a job, maybe because they're scared to sack him. Nuno, recently sacked by Spurs. Frank Lampard. Daniel Farka, recently sacked by Norwich. Scott Parker, to his credit, doing well at Bournemouth. Graham Potter. He would be a great appointment. Graham Potter would be a great appointment by Everton, but why would he leave Brighton to join Everton at this point? Maybe in the summer, but I don't see him doing that mid-season. Then it gets really good. Steve Bruce. Wouldn't that be absolutely beautiful? Imagine the football they'd play. And then John Terry. John Terry. You can also get odds on Patrick Vieira, who wouldn't leave Palace. And David Unsworth. Are any of them better than Rafa? I would say Graham Potter at this point is. The rest, massive downgrades. Massive, massive downgrades. John Terry might be the funniest of them. It would be very Everton to give John Terry a job. And John Terry is the type of fella who would kind of suit the mindset of certain Everton fans. I'd like to see that. Bruce would be the funniest because, you know, he's got a big fat head. But John Terry could bring great amusement. Jurgen Klopp has done his pre-Everton press conference today. And the talking points that have come out of it, he has said there is no need to talk more about Everton maybe crossing the line in terms of physicality. In recent years, we've seen Divock Thiago and Virgil suffer varying degrees of serious injuries. And Klopp has said he won't speak on it anymore. I said what I said. You are not able to write it in a proper way. Uh, obviously, it is the return to Goodison of Virgil van Dijk after what happened last year. Klopp was asked if Liverpool have nothing to lose in this derby, simply due to Rafa Benitez currently standing on shaky ground as Everton boss. Klopp says, I don't know if you can see it like that. There are three points at stake and we try to get them. We just try to win it. Uh, in terms of injuries, he's given an update. Naby Keita 
Joe Gomez, Curtis Jones and Bobby Firmino will play no part. But the first two, Naby and Gomez, are edging closer to returning to full training. They're back doing individual bits, but not in full training. Bobby probably needs another week before he'll be back. And with Curtis, it's out of our hands because obviously the eye injury will take as long as it takes to heal. Uh, Mohamed Salah finished seventh in the Ballon d'Or on Monday night. One spot behind Cristiano Ronaldo, which, I mean, did nobody watch any football at all this year. Lionel Messi won the award. Lewandowski was second. There was, it was quite close between the two. And there's obviously been a lot of discussion over whether it should have been Messi, whether it should have been Lewandowski. If you were giving it to Lewandowski, which I would have done, it would have been largely because he got screwed out of winning last year's. He should have won the 2020 Ballon d'Or. So you'd be giving it to him based on two years' work. Salah finishing seventh is a joke. Allison not being one of the ten best goalkeepers, also a joke. To jump around the Liverpool sites then, for this is Anfield, it is mostly uh, pre-match coverage. It is, you know, a lot of talk about last year's games and what happened in those games, the injuries suffered and things like that that I don't really want to revisit myself, but if you want to read them, the pieces are out there. Um, Liverpool could return for 31 million, for, for silky 31 million Brazilian to hand Jurgen Klopp a new Philippe Coutinho. So this is Lucas Paqueta, currently at Lyon, formerly of AC Milan, an outstanding player. Don't know that I'd call him silky. He's more Bobby-ish than Phil-ish. Outstanding player, but has a great mix of talent and work rate. He ranks in the 99 percentile for tackles one, the 99 percentile, 97 percentile for tackles and interceptions combined. He's in the 90th percentile for pressures. He's an incredibly hard-working player. Good on the ball, great off the ball. I think he'd be one that would fit very well into this Liverpool team as that right side at eight. And you could have him with Harvey learning behind him, developing behind him and, you know, rotating with him. I think that could be, could be quite fun. Uh, Lucas Paqueta would be, a, would be a very interesting signing. And the price would probably be fairly reasonable. I think Leon paid about 16 million for him two years ago now. And he's done very, very well going there. Now, obviously, the jump from the French League to the Premier League is, is quite drastic, but I think it would be a move worth doing if the opportunity presented itself. Uh, Liverpool handed Kylian Mbappe boost as Jurgen Klopp is convinced on securing early 68 million pound Transfer is the title of the Media Digest award. Uh, Media Digest, um, the sixty-eight million pound signing would be Luis Diaz. Now, there's not a chance he's going to cost 
68 million. They were going to sell him for 20 million and James Rodriguez in the summer. So he's not going to cost 68 million. He is having a great season. Didn't have his best games against us, it must be said. But, I mean, who, what Porto player did? Um, Kylian Mbappe and Liverpool remain destined to be said in the same sentence until the Frenchman makes a move away from PSG, almost certainly to Real Madrid. But different outlets are saying Liverpool are still in the mix. It's long known that we have interest, but we're never going to pay the kind of money that would be required to bring Kylian Mbappe to Anfield. Uh, some garbage Spanish outlet have said that we have interest in Aaron Ramsdale. We can put Aaron Ramsey rather. We can put that in the bin where it belongs. Uh, Peter Crouch says Jude Bellingham would fit perfectly at Anfield. I think he's right. I think Jude Bellingham would be a sensational signing. An absolutely sensational signing for Liverpool. He fits like a glove into this team. Liverpool can steal 171 million Barca star on the cheap in transfer move for new Matthias De Ligt. Now, this is about Ronald Arejo. There is very little similar between Arejo and De Ligt, so I'm not sure where that tag has come from. Uh, he currently has a release clause of 171 million, but he is out of contract in 2023. Doesn't seem keen to sign a new one, so may be available. With recent rumours around Joe Gomez and potential interest in him from Aston Villa and him maybe not being the happiest about probably being fourth in the pecking order right now, Virgil, Joel, Canate, and then him. It could make sense. It could make sense. And if you bring in Arejo, he's the same age as Kanate. All of a sudden, you have your long-term pairing to develop behind Virgil and Joel. And you can find more and more ways to rest both Virgil and Joel and keep them at a high level for longer. Uh, Arejo is outstanding. Outstanding. Very similar, according to Football Reference, or FB Ref, as Manuel Akanji and Eder Militao, two players Liverpool tried to sign in the past. Um, yeah, you'd have, you'd have to be happy if we signed a quality young centre-back like Arejo. Good on the ball, great in the air, great 1v1 defender, reads the game well, good positional sense. Very, very good player. Liverpool can buy 13 million team with Mohamed Salah-level potential to avoid Rafinha transfer issue. So this is a piece about Kamaldine Suleimana at Rennes. Now, it's worth pointing out that he's more a Mane than a Salah, stylistically. Rennes also have Jeremy Doku, another player Liverpool have been very keen on for a number of years. You could sign both of them. Definitely wouldn't be against signing both of them. But I wouldn't imagine that signing one of them would rule out any potential move for a player like Rafinha. Sunamana is is well worth a look, though. If you haven't seen him play, I do highly recommend going and watching this kid. He is very, very special. Liverpool may have found new Alison Becker heir, who has claimed more trophies this season. Vitislav Yaros may be an obscure name, obscure name, but the goalkeeper is making a name for himself 
edging closer to the first team in the process. Uh, he has had a very, very impressive season on loan with St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Athletic here in Ireland. Um, he was awarded the player of the season, having lifted the FAI Cup. That's St. Pat's player of the season, I should point out. Having lifted the FAI Cup, our version of the FA Cup, on Sunday night, really, really impressive keeper. Really, really impressive. Really mature for his age. Good with his feet. Great shot stopper. I think he'd definitely be one that the club will be keen to keep progressing. So you'd imagine a loan to a higher level um, after Christmas will be the move. The Irish season is now done and dusted. From For the most part, he will get the opportunity to come back to Liverpool and then potentially head out on loan again in January, maybe to a championship club or somewhere on the continent, maybe. Uh, Liverpool could receive 22 million January boost to increase Jurgen Klopp's transfer budget. This is about the potential to sell both Nico Williams and Nat Phillips. I don't think you'd get 22 million for the pair. Uh, Football Insider has claimed West Ham are preparing a 12 million bid for Phillips. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. And Football Insider is an absolute spoofer. An absolute shameless spoofer. No insight at all, so ignore all of that. Um, I don't think we'd sell Williams mid-season without having a backup for Trent. Now, maybe they'd just look at Milner and say, right, we're fine. Ox can play there in a pinch. Nico might go on loan in January. I do think they'll be very open to selling Nat Phillips. I don't think they'll have any qualms about selling him. He's never going to be first choice at the club. And if he wants to have a career, he's going to need to move on. On AnfieldIndex.com, Stephen Smith has a really fun fun article up entitled One Night in Southampton. And this is a piece about the night Liverpool beat Southampton 6-1 at St. Mary's. Liverpool team on the night, Adam Bogdan, Connor Randall, Dejan Lovren, Martin Skirtle, Alberto Moreno, Lucas Leiva. I mean, that is that is painful reading. Uh, Emre Chan, Joe Allen, Adam Lalana, Daniel Sturridge, and Divock Origi. Ryan Bertrand put Saints one up on one minute. Sturridge got two. Origi got two. I've got one. And then Origi completed his hat-trick. If you remember that game, Emre Chan absolutely monstered them in midfield. And that was a good Southampton team. Now, Stecklenburg was probably towards the end of his usefulness at that point. But Cedric Soares is a good right-back. Still a Premier League caliber player. Ryan Bertrand is a decent left-back. Liverpool legend Stephen Colker was one of the centre-backs. Virgil van Dijk was the other centre-back. Sadio Mane played up front with Graziano Pelle. Victor Wanyama, Stephen Davis, Dead Davis, Jordi Classy. That was a decent team. Ariel Romeo and James Ward Prowse came off the bench, as did Shane Long, who somehow always caused us problems, despite not being very good. Um yeah, we absolutely walloped them in the in the League Cup. Klopp wasn't in the job long. Two months maybe? Yeah. Really fun game. Fun article. Make sure you give that one a read. 
On the podcast side, obviously, there is the Nina Kowser show and the uh, State of the Reunion episode 304 of the Anfield Index podcast. If you haven't listened to them, do check them out on the free side. On Anfield Index Pro, lots of new stuff up. The new rival recon ahead of Everton. The new scouted ahead of Everton. Molby on the spot. Jan and Trev back together. And the new AI under pressure entitled Is the Reds Juggernaut Starting Up? Dan Kennett hosts Dan Rhodes, Simon Brundish and Phil Barker to discuss both the Porto and Southampton games. Um, some heavy chat there about Fabinho and Thiago as well. So do give that one a listen. Um, that's it then. That is me for today, folks. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.